And people don't really realize it, but they show up as limiting beliefs. They show up as fear. And we start to be afraid to step into ourselves. We're afraid to speak our minds on social media. We're afraid to be the, the core of ourselves. And that's another thing too, to define success too. Are you living the life that you actually want? Or have you grown up living the life of based on someone else's expectations? And are we really living a life that's true to ourselves? Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations on making a wonderful life decision and tuning into your pals from the Free Retiree Show, your favorite podcast, all things career, money, and where we learn from people that have done amazing things. I'm your host, wealth manager, Lee Michael Murphy, and I'm alongside Silicon Valley vet and interview coach, Sergio Patterson. What is up, everyone? And Silicon Valley's favorite attorney, Matthew McElroy. What's going on? For today's episode, we're going to be discussing what does it take to become successful? What separates those that are achieving high levels of success and satisfaction from those that are maybe underperforming or feeling underwhelmed in their professional and personal lives? What things are keeping us separated from joining that elite pack have achieved the levels that we aspire to? We spend the first quarter of our lives as human beings developing, preparing, and trying to become ready to be successful human beings. And yet the reality is so many of us, 10 years into the workforce, 20, 30 years into our career, we start wondering, did we make the right actions and decisions and lived up to those childhood expectations? So Serge, Maddie, you know, the subject of success, what does that mean to you? And who do you look up to when it comes to someone that's successful? It's a tough one. You're supposed to give it these questions ahead of time, Lee. <laughs> on the fly, boys, on the fly. No, this is good. I think success, I, like everyone knows, I've been in Silicon Valley for a long time now. And I think we're all under this microscope and scrutiny of performance reviews and defining success. And I think for me, I never let my work define, like however I do at work is how I do at work. It's, it is what it is. But I think if I can come home and be a successful dad and husband, that's more important to me. Like from a life standpoint, mm -hmm. but also I think it is important to figure out how to navigate your career and get through the ranks because it's, I see a lot of people rising in Silicon Valley and they're, they're doing something right. So awesome. Maddie. Yeah. When I first started my professional career, I probably would have told you like, Oh, it's the amount of money you make. Right. Mm -hmm. And as I've gone through and advanced in my career and go on, it's, it's not about the money you make, but it, it, I think it is about financial independence. You know what I mean? Because financial independence leads to things like time with your family, quality time, and, and quality of life. So, yeah, I think those are all kind of aspects. But I think financial independence is probably a, a good measure. Yeah. Some people might disagree with that, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and I'm kind of like right there. I think, like, I can say that your thoughts were similar to mine. Like, coming out of school, beginning my career, I think it's we all think, like, what we, what we make. And I think that is somewhat important. But as I've grown older, I feel like my shift – my mindset has shifted and I start measuring success, not just by the monetary things, but how much you can help people. And I think that goes to the professional side and your personal side. I really do think like measuring success for me is going to be a tale of how many people was I able to help. And I've changed that mindset through a great mentor of mine. As you guys know, Carl, I think 
that's how he lived his life all the time is like helping people. And I got to see a glimpse of that and that helped me out. Everyone's got a different idea of what it means. So for today's recording, we got Simon on Simon Parsons and he's an amazing expert on this. So he, so this is his accomplishments as of right now. So seven out of seven years, he's been the president club qualifier for a Forbes 100 sales organization. He is working towards trying to get 10 of 10, but he's a boss obviously in the sales arena. His company is doing $1 million per year in revenue close to from his coaching business. And he's hoping to get $1 million of revenue per year by November 2022. And what he specializes in is all about mindset. How can we change our mindset to make us more successful? So this is going to be a wonderful one. We're going to go to a quick break. But before we do so, make sure you smash that like button. Share us with your friends. We appreciate it. And yeah, reach out to us if you have any questions, financial related, career related, legal related, or even a question for Simon, send it to ask at thefreeretiree.com. We're going to take a quick break, but when we're back, we're going to be sitting down with Simon Parsons. Welcome back into the Free Retiree Show. We're sitting down with Simon Parsons. Simon, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing so good, Lee. Good to see you. Sergio, Matt, I am so honored to be here. Let's bring some energy to your guests. Let's uh, teach them a little bit more about success mindset. And let me know what questions you have. I want to serve your audience on the highest levels. Well, I'm Simon, pumped. That's energy right there. <laughs> Simon, we, we are pumped to have you. We've seen you online and it's just an honor to have you on our show. You're the man. You're the man. Free, free retiree show. I mean, if you knew the backstories of Sergio, Matt, and myself, whew, I mean, we're not the ones to ask. We got to ask you, man. So what is it that gives people that sense or the ability to become successful in your mind from all the work you've done? Oh, I appreciate you asking. So I would start with this question. And I get this, I, I actually have people ask me this a lot, and this is why I want to bring it up, but how do you define success? So Matt brought this up, right? Uh, that he defines it with having enough income, having, what, how did you phrase it, Matt? Is financial, financial independence. independence. Just, you know, money's not a word. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's a great way to yeah. look at it. And both Sergio and Matt, you talked about in your earlier years, you might've defined that as a certain amount of money, right? Or financial success. I think we all did. Yeah. And I think that's really common when you're young, you kind of think of it. The two things I see most is either a title or a status, right? Title or status or a certain amount of income. And what I love what you said, Matt, was you talked about financial independence because that's kind of breaking free from money to an extent. But I'd say success goes even deeper than that, right? I think that us as human beings, we want freedom and it's not just money, right? We can have a lot of money, but not be free. Think about how many millionaires and billionaires. Lee and I had a discussion uh, a while back about the country club because this is how I became so <laughs> interested in success. And he was describing a guy who got incredibly agitated because he wasn't, you didn't call him by a certain title when he came in there. So he probably had several millions of dollars and very stable financially, but is he free? Probably not. And I think a lot of people who have a lot of wealth, they aren't free. I mean, just because you have a lot of money, it doesn't mean you're not without worry. Because once you shift into having that type of income, 
all of a sudden you now you're worried about losing it, right? You're worried about other people taking it away from you. You're worried about competition. So when I when it comes to finance and several other topics, I like to talk about abundance. And abundance to me is having more than you need. And you can have a, a low net worth, you can have a high net worth and feel very abundant because abundance is a feeling, right? It's freedom from worry. But you can also have a very high net worth, but live in a complete scarcity mindset. You can live in a, a mindset of lack. But I think when we're talking about freedom, there's other things that I believe contribute to success as far as freedom from judgment, freedom from worries about illness. And I mean, there's so many ways that you can look at it that go um, past finance. But I know you guys talk a lot about finance. So I think, you know, in a nutshell, I, when it comes to finance, financial success, I think that having an abundance mindset is probably the keystone for me is just to be, to know that I'm an internal source of wealth and that I will always be able to, it's basically an external reflection of what I have inside of me, right? Lee talked about how he defines success as contribution and helping others. So you are compensated when you do that. And when you can see yourself as basically a limitless, abundant source of being able to help other people, you will be compensated. And right then, like when you're focused internally, the external will unfold. Love that. Yeah, that's, that's Simon, you great. say on your LinkedIn profile, it says uh, you're not a life coach. I like that. There's too many life coaches out there. You're a badass <laughs> activation coach. Talk to us about activation. Can you define that as well? Does it go hand in hand with what you talked about with success or is this something different? Absolutely. I think there's a badass in all of us, but a lot of times we hide behind fears. A lot of the stuff I do that has to do with coaching has to do more with like getting rid of the stuff that's holding us back instead of stepping on the gas. So when you can step on the gas, when you can use the tool to succeed, the knowledge, the mentorship, the people around you, that's great. But you've also got to let go of the stuff that's holding you back, right? We all have limiting beliefs. Everybody has them. It doesn't matter what level you're on. It doesn't matter how successful you are. You always have stuff that's holding you back. And I think being a badass and activating badass mode is about cutting free of the things that are like tethering you down, right? The scarcity mindset, the limiting beliefs, the imposter syndrome, the negative self-talk, right? How do you cut loose of that stuff and activate badass mode? And I think I call it the trigger. One thing that I am proud of myself is that I take action like that. Like I don't overthink things. I just go for it because to me, I don't fail. I either get my ass kicked and learn a lesson or I succeed. And just being able to develop that trigger inside of me to take action when I see opportunity, because I know I'm going to come out with either a lesson or come out with success. That is something that you have to cultivate, right? Because if not, life just gives you those bruises. It gives you those scars. And there's a part of your brain called the amygdala that is there to keep you safe. And in prehistoric times, that was to keep you fed, to keep you warm, to keep you sheltered, to keep you in a tribe so that you didn't get cast out. Now, those elements are still with us in modern times. And people don't really realize it, but they show up as limiting beliefs. They show up as fear. And we start to be afraid to step into ourselves. We're afraid to speak our minds on social media. We're afraid to be the, the core of ourselves. And that's another thing too, to define success too. Are you living the life that you actually want? Or have you grown up 
living the life of based on someone else's expectations, right? A lot of people deal with the expectations of their parents. Their parents told them to be a lawyer or a doctor to do this or that, to go to school. And are we really living a life that's true to ourselves? That is the number one regret of people who are dying, people who get to the end of their lives, is I wish I would have lived a life that was true to myself. And that takes courage. So I think for me, I'm not, I don't consider myself a life coach, but like, how do I activate the bad assets inside of all of us? How do I help people become more true to themselves to find that core person inside of them and to not let fear hold them back? Simon, I know you talk with hundreds of people about progressing, achieving success, moving forward. In your experience, what is the most common thing that you find with people that's holding them back? That's an awesome question. <laughs> I think there's two things that hold people back the most. It's interesting because, especially when we're talking about success on the show and finance, I think the two things that, that people seek the most are more money. And Matt talked about like when you have more money, you have more time, right? So people seek more money and more time. Yet those are the two things that people are have the hardest time giving to get that, right? There's a, a quote that I love to, to talk about. It says, if you want the fireplace to give you heat, you've got to put wood in there, right? But I think to me, I think the biggest thing that holds people back is the unwillingness to spend a little bit of money, whether that's investing in themselves and their personal growth or in learning or in financial assets, right? Finan like investing, paying themselves first. People wait Till the end of it, the, they get their pay. And you guys know this, right? People, you know, they, they pay everybody else before they pay themselves, right? Like people get to the end of their yeah. check. There's nothing left for them to invest in either their own personal development or financial assets. Same with time. People are so busy that they think, ah, I don't have time to do any, to do any coaching or to join a mastermind group or to have a mentor because I'm just so busy. And maybe one day when I have a little bit more time, I can do that. Maybe if I have a little bit left over at the end of my paycheck, then I can invest in it. The, the tools are there, my friends. Like the, you can learn anything these days. There's so much knowledge out there. We have so many tools, so much access, but we don't take action on that. Again, going back to the action piece. And so to answer your question, I think the unwillingness to invest time and money in your future is probably what I would say holds people back the most. That's a great answer, dude. I love that. That's it really resonates with me because it's like when I start thinking about, okay, my, how am I going to invest or am I going to spend the money on a coaching class? I'm always like hesitant, but then for other random things, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just going to make it rain today. You know, but it's, why aren't we, why aren't we like quicker to take action on improving ourselves? And I'll be the first to say, I hesitate. Well, I think, see, here's the thing too, though, is, and this is why mindset is so important is because when you understand how the brain works and the things that talk you out, because those excuses that we have about time and money, that's just that part of our brain that's trying to keep us safe because it's unfamiliar. In prehistoric times, there was different threats. Now it's just simply things that are not familiar to us. So getting involved, hiring a coach, spending some money on a coach or spending some time learning is a little bit uncomfortable, right? You have to take your brain and try new things out and it doesn't feel good, especially when you're getting your ass kicked trying something new. So what happens is your subconscious creates a doorway for you to get out of that. And that's, I don't have enough time or I don't have enough money. The two most common excuses. But the thing is, how much time do we spend on social media like scrolling? 
How often does our thumb touch that screen, right? How many shows do we binge watch on Netflix? It is not a matter of not having enough time or money. How much do we spend on Starbucks every day, right? Mm -hmm. It's You guys know this because you hear the same stories when it comes to investing, right? People are come up, well, I just don't have enough money right now when I get enough in my paycheck that I will do that. But I love that. And I love that you recognize that. I do that. It's, it's funny because like I can hear those that voice coming up in my head too. I'm not free of fear. I'm not free of excuses either, but I just can spot them and I can say, I hear you. I'm on to you. I can see what you're saying. And I'm going to lean into that. Love it. Yeah, that's awesome. So Simon, t- tell us about a little bit about you. You offer a LinkedIn course. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is? And what, yeah, what you offer I help people stand out on LinkedIn because li- LinkedIn has changed. Most people think of LinkedIn as a job and career site, right? It's been that way for so long. In fact, I had a dormant account just sitting there for 10 years. That's the place where you go look for a job. It's a place for where you look for careers. LinkedIn noticed what Facebook had done. Facebook has been working on this since 2009, right? They had built this wonderful platform and relied on people to provide the entertainment and the content. And then in 2016, they switched around and started charging people for exposure on that platform and made billions of dollars doing it. And I think the model of LinkedIn was to charge people to use the site so they can find jobs or maybe prospect if you're in the B2B or sales realm. There are some paid versions of LinkedIn that they were capitalizing on, but I think Microsoft who owns LinkedIn, once they (laughs) realized how much potential there is in content creation and the ability to broker advertising, be able to broker attention, they started um, changing the format to be much more like a professional version of Facebook. And I think here's where the opportunity lies and where people can really become uh, an absolute expert uh, in their niche to be an authority is as LinkedIn makes this transition, there's still so few people relatively speaking. I mean, there's a lot of people on the platform, 700 million, 800 million, but very few of them are really understanding that this is this platform is evolving from a Java career site to a content site. And they need people like all four of us to become experts in our niche and to have a voice and to be willing to put that out there. And you'll be handsomely rewarded when you do that. So I think even people right now who are understanding what's going on can really carve out a name for themselves. And we're talking about wealth and retirement finance here. There's so much opportunity to be able to grab your part of the market and direct people to your podcast or to coaching or to online courses or to consultation. There's so much opportunity and that won't be around forever. So I caught on to that, right? I saw what they were doing in the B2B and sales realm because that's always been a haven for for LinkedIn. But then I started to realize there's so many other avenues that can be taken with this and they want it. They need us to be able to provide interesting content. So it's very early on, but I guess the the best way to liken it is just the ultimate social platform for professionals. There's so many ways you can deliver content. You can do LinkedIn lives. You can have a group there. You can post text content, videos, sliders, documents, articles like blogs. There's just so much that you can do with it. And 
to me, I, just, I feel like I kind of stumbled across this just in my own development and in, in my own personal branding. But then I thought I could help other people with this. And just like Lee said, it's about serving other people. So I kind of went down this path that deviates from my mindset coaching because I believe I can help other people become thought leaders in their niche. Yeah, I do an eight-week boot camp. I've done two versions before, and the next one, I'm going to adding more stuff. It's basically a live boot camp, and we go into a, a lot of deep stuff. It's not just how to use LinkedIn. In fact, I almost shouldn't call it a LinkedIn course because I tell people, if you can find it in the frequently asked questions of LinkedIn, then you know that's not going to be found in my course. But what I do is I, I really go deep into personal branding, content creation, the psychology, and Here's another fun topic is just the psychology behind it, like how to get people to read your posts, how to create interest, how to create emotion. And that goes back to mindset. There's so much influence that you can have when it comes to mindset, and that can be injected into your content, into your profile, into your about section. And I just think there's such a deeper level that people aren't aware of. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Lee and I were talking about it a couple of days ago, and your content speaks to this is how authentic and real you are with your content and you're actually showing people yourself. And I think something with our show that we're struggling with is like, how do we bring that out in some of our posts and content? So any thoughts there? Like, cause that's what we've been noticing on a platform is uh, the influencers who are showing themselves on a personal level are the, really the ones that are standing out and really the ones that are connecting with their uh, audiences. Yeah, that's such a great question. I think people really resonate with authenticity. It, it, in sales, I can tell you this, the more real you are, the more you connect with people. And it's just because there's this frequency that people can sense, right? You see, I think on Instagram, you have a lot of influencers that <laughs> rent a Lambo or whatever, or rent space in front of a, a plane and talk about I hate it. those people. <laughs> oh, man. But you can sense it. They're yeah. full of shit. Yeah. And, and I think that people can also sense authenticity. And it's relatable too. So I'm in the mindset and personal development realm and I have no problem finding clients that relate to me because like Tony Robbins, he's the godfather of personal development. He's so big right now that it's hard for him to be relatable to the masses. Sure. His people that are relatable to him are CEOs making a hundred million dollars a year, but for the average person, it just isn't as relatable, but you, you, can build that no like, and trust factor by being authentic and by being real. And one thing I love doing is telling about my failures. I think that resonates with people too. I think I get more traction discussing the times where I've failed, which are many. <laughs> and I'm an open book. Uh, every time I do that, there's someone out there that like, I'm so thankful you brought that up because I've had the same thing happen to me. And it builds those connections on such a deeper level. I think I think social media in general and LinkedIn has become such a powerful way for people to step into the, their true selves. Like I am always focused on how do I get the most authentic version of me, the child version inside of me. And when I do that really resonates with people. I, the funny thing you guys is I used to be scared to post stuff on social media that had to do with personal development because that amygdala part of my brain would give me this excuse that maybe there was some jock in high school who would think I was an idiot or whatever, or too soft. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now it's like, I'm so, talk about freedom. I'm so free of worrying what people think. And my path to freedom is being authentic. My path to getting there is by laying it all out there and letting people see the real me. And yeah, it can be uncomfortable. <laughs> you step in and there's so many more people that will support you. 
I think LinkedIn's a great format, for, uh, a platform for that too, because there's a lot, there's less trolls there. There's a lot of people that are will resonate with your message rather than try to tear you down. But then at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if there are trolls because most of those people are just trying. They they need to do that because they're they're hurting, yeah. hurting on their own. It's harder to troll on LinkedIn too because your company is there, right? It's like you're trolling, like you could get called out. Yeah, I've seen, it I've see seen it. people get banned, especially yeah. during the political season last year. People would say some really horrible things and then boom, they're gone. They're fired from their job. But that's a great point. And, and back to that, to professionalism, that's why I love the platform is you do, they do a really good job with keeping it clean when it comes to politics or religion or, or touchy subjects. And I think that it's, it's harder for your stuff's not going to show in the feed when if you're lacing it with profanity or talking about really sensitive topics, they want to keep it clean. And so, yeah, it's a great place to grow your voice authentically. That was a great question, Sergio. So Simon, I want to talk about the, a little bit more about this authenticity, the idea of it. And one thing I haven't really heard much people talk about is the correlation to people that are successful to them being authentic and transparent in how they communicate with people. Have you seen a correlation in that the people that are open about their failures and people that are successful? I mean, in my own experience, and I'm just thinking about this since we're talking about it right now, a lot of the very successful people that I know are very open about how they failed and the mistakes they've made. And Contrary to that, the people that aren't so successful are, I'm amazing. I don't make mistakes. Have you noticed anything like that? Absolutely. <laughs> and I can tell you why. Okay. So if you are afraid, I mean, I think you can be successful without that. I think it's possible, but I think that it's really, if you're afraid to show people the real you and talk about your failures, are you guys familiar with growth mindset? Have you heard of that term before? If not, and maybe your audience has heard it. I've heard of it. I'm not an expert. I've- yeah, I've, I've heard it. I just don't, I don't really know what it means. Growth mindset is, so there's a, a psychologist from Stanford who wrote a book called Mindset. And in it, she talks about how people who are successful, they embrace a growth mindset. And people who really stay stagnant are people who have a fixed mindset. So traits of a growth mindset is the willingness to fail the willingness to accept feedback, right? And a fixed mindset is like, a fixed mindset thinks that your traits and your talents are natural. Like they think that if you're good at something, it's the iceberg, right? The the iceberg that shows the success iceberg that shows all that was done under, under the surface of the water. So people with a fixed mindset, they just see the top part of that iceberg and they think, oh, that person was just, it's easy. That guy's lucky. He got successful because of luck. Right. Whereas growth mindset, there's so much behind that. But there's no such thing as an overnight success. All that was built on years and years of perfection and talent and being willing to get your butt kicked. So that's the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. And what you just said, Lee, about how there's a correlation, I think that it has to do with growth mindset because if you're trying to hide your failures, there's ego getting in the way. It's a big blind spot when it comes to growth mindset because you're afraid of what people think. If you're afraid of what people think, if you're afraid of failure, then you're not willing to be coached. You're not willing to you know, put it out there on the line. And when I was talking about how I have this trigger in me that I just do stuff regardless, it's not like I don't have fear of failure, but I'm just willing to fail. 
I think the more I lean into a growth mindset, the, and that's where the link is authenticity is you, if you're willing to, certainly if you're willing to talk about your failures and embrace them, then you're leaning into having a growth mindset. You're willing to go get your butt kicked and you're willing to learn from that. And that's what creates success. We go through life or we either turn around when we fail or we learn from it and get better. And when you guys first started doing your podcast, I'm sure at the very beginning, you didn't have a lot of momentum, but you'd keep working on it. Your voice got stronger. You'd learn things. And that becomes because you're willing to put it on the line. And I think that the correlation with authenticity and success is you're less affected by your ego. We all have that in us, but it's the more that you can be willing to fail, the more that you're going to succeed. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Totally. It's just amazing. Like when I was younger, you're taught you never want to fail. They give you an F, you know, in school and you're taught that is the ultimate thing. That's going to get you grounded. Parents are going to beat you with a bamboo stick, some of us. But that's the stuff that you just... The smurfing. Tell your mom. I think I've seen it happen. Let's change the topic now. Let's do it too personal. These are all the things that get instilled in us. And we're taught, do whatever is humanly possible to avoid failure. And what's amazing is for a lot of people that take it the right way, it is the path to success. Yeah. And you being in finance, I'm sure you've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki. He, mm. and it, he talks a lot about that as being a major blind spot in education is that mm. they teach you that it's a bad thing to fail. I talked about scars that you get when you go through life. And I talked about a tribe, right? You feel your subconscious tribal mind doesn't want to get an F because you're afraid someone's going to banish you from a tribe, whether that's your parents or your peers, you're going to look bad. I mean, that's the whole core of that ego is we don't realize it, but that monkey mind of ours is afraid to fail because we want to fit in. That's why we also have a hard time trying to stand out is we want to fit in because Again, back in prehistoric times, we did not want to get cast out of a tribe. So the remnants of that brain still exist in us. And that's directly correlated to the fear of failure, the fear of getting an F, the fear of not fitting in. And it's so freeing when you can liberate yourself from that and just step in and be down with failure as a path to success. But I love what Robert Kiyosaki talks about in his content, that it's about learning and not having to get an A. If you get an F, great. If you learn something from that, you start getting better. And growth mindset is something we can all instill in our kids too and give them a safe place to fail. That's where the, the real power is, is our children, is helping them embrace failure. Hey, and work ethic, right? Did you try hard? Did you give it everything that you, you've got? Did you learn something from this experience? And so every night I'm asking my kid, what did you learn today? Not, did you win did you get in the game? Yeah. What did you learn today? What do you love about yourself? What are you grateful for? Empowering questions that facilitate that growth mindset. This is what you're saying right now totally reminds me of a story I heard about like Kobe Bryant and when whenever he would have a loss or anything like that or just a bad game in general, he would rewatch that tape so many times until he figured out what did I do? He treated it as a complete learning experience, right? We can do that too. We're just because we're not athletes, we can go back and we can analyze our situation, watch our tape, whatever, and figure out what we're wrong. 
learn from it. Like, because I love what you're saying that failure is just a lesson. And so we have to figure out that lesson. Sometimes it's not always so apparent. But so tough, right? Like you want to like bury it. You don't, you don't want to address it. Most people are scared of it. They want to run from it and never see it again. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You guys are totally right. Isn't it fascinating though? What's so fun is helping people connect those dots. Is, was that apparent to you guys, some of those connections with the prehistoric mind, or is that kind of new stuff? It's to me, when I can explain that to people, it's so liberating because you can say, Hey, it's, there's nothing wrong with you. This is just the way that there's the remnants of your prehistoric mind. It's just the wiring. And so right there, you can give people a safe space to be like, okay, well, this is why I'm trying to talk myself out of doing something. This is why I'm giving excuses. This is why I'm afraid to fail. This is why I'm afraid to post something on social media because I'm afraid someone's going to judge me for it. When you can explain that to people, it's to me, it's really liberating. And it's something that, that I can lean into, you know? So when we started the conversation, we talked that we were talking that there was two major things as we all define success. There was the financial for some of us, and then there's the personal. I want to start with the financial part. Just specifically think about finances, since that's a lot of what we talk about. In your experience, the people that you've worked with that have achieved wealth and money, what do you think that they have? What, what characteristics do you think that spe- just specifically them? We could we'll include like maybe the miserable rich people. They got something down, right? That they're, yeah. they're successful financially. Okay, that's an excellent question. <laughs> and this kind of goes back to the, the country club, right? Lee and I both worked at a country club when we were younger. I, I might have been a little bit longer, younger Quarter than ball, you. 408. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, here's what I would say is, remember when I was talking about how success a lot of times isn't as much stepping on the gas. I think that's definitely a part of it, but it's also like being free from things that are holding you back. And I think a lot of wealthy people they don't have those limiting beliefs that 98% of the population has. And that's developed. And it, it, when you're young, your mind is so malleable, right? And if you grow up in a, a moderate income family or a low income family, or if you have financial stress, if you see your parents talking about money a certain way, if your parents are saying money doesn't grow on trees, money is the root of all evil, those beliefs start to get embedded in you. Maybe you saw your dad lo- lose his job. Maybe you saw some you know, pain that came from it, right? So I, I told you guys that we ha- get these scars and we try to cover them up f- through, through our life. We get these things that damage us and our mind wants to keep us safe and keep us away from that. So in a very basic level, when you're hearing these stories about money, when you see people suffering pain from money, what do you think your subconscious does? <laughs> it equates money to being a bad thing. And, it, and your yeah. conscious mind doesn't. We all know that money can be a good thing. We all, most of us at least seek it out. But I think that a lot of people, they get those limiting beliefs by things that they hear. I mean, just think about how kids are just so malleable. Your brain actually is on a different frequency than an adult. And it's so suggestible zero to seven years old, and even into your teenage years. And when you're seeing the way that your parents live, this is why it's so good to be around other people who are successful. But a lot of people don't even realize the damage that's done to your subconscious. So whether you realize it or not, you fall into these patterns of how you've always lived. And even when you 
know that you shouldn't equate money with time. You should be leveraging it. You should be building assets. You should be finding streams of passion, passive income. A lot of times that subconscious wiring that's done early on, unless you do some work to really unwire that, or unless you start being around people who, where you see them succeed, you see them create. So I'm always looking for people who are extremely high performers. Here's the funny thing is I spent a lot of time around very wealthy and successful people, late teens and early 20s. And I could see this. I couldn't put my finger on it, but I could see that there would be a very successful member of the country club. And three of his his kids became successful entrepreneurs. The other one became a doctor or a lawyer. They were all very wealthy and it didn't seem hard, right? So I could, at that point is when when I could sense that it was was something that we all have inside of us. It wasn't just like born, this thing that we were born with. It was something that the parents would trickle down to their kids. And so I, that's really essentially what got me into mindset and personal development because I realized, well, you know, I used to be very average. I thought I was going to have an average life. I thought I was going to grow up and have a blue collar job and very average income. But I saw these people succeeding and I saw their kids succeeding. So I knew it was something that, you know, it was in all of us. But what I didn't realize was that the wiring, that subconscious wiring that you get when you just, you hear things, when these beliefs that you have that hold you back and whether or not you realize they're there, there's a lot of times there's programs running in the background that really can hold you back. But what's cool is when you do understand that you can do the work that you need to un- unwire that. You can find ways to create new beliefs and support that and build a narrative around that. And so while money isn't the end all be all for me, I look at it as like a partner. I don't put it on a pedestal. I don't talk down to, to money. I look at it as like a business relationship. And the best way I can create that uh, really strong network in my brain to love money is I can do a lot of good with it. Like I can help people out. I can, you know, give money to people who need it more than I do. And that is the best feeling in the world. And what it does is it creates this desire for me to, to want more. So I also feel like the universe trusts me with money and I'm, I'm a good steward with it. And the more responsibly I can act with it, the more I can help people, the more I can just, you know, let it flow through me, the more that I'm going to be trusted with that. And that might be sound a little woo-woo, but to me, no, it's a great story. Like I, it feels so good to help people with money, but I want to have money myself. And I feel like when I do that, just that love, that passion, that creativity it unlocks that. But it, from a, a neuroscience perspective, I'm attaching giving and that feeling with creating more money. It's mm-hmm. a good thing in my mind. Hey, Simon, something you, something that really stood out was the power as parents, the power of our words to our kids as they grow up, right? And some of the long-term effects, right, with our words. Before we kind of like get closer to wrapping up, I mean, you're, you're, you have three kids. You recently had a baby. I think that whole story around like fighting looks like you like fought for one of your, you brought in and adopted a child as well. I would love just to like hear more about that story. Cause I'm, I'm sure that kind of drives everything you do. Right. Yeah. That's a great uh, question. So we came across, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to have kids and this was about 2014. 
I had just, my, I crashed a business. I was in a vil, very vulnerable state financially. So I had a business that went down, uh, started my sales role and I was just ramping up. The commissions weren't coming in yet. And we heard about a kid that was, well, we didn't hear about it. We witnessed a kid who was being uh, abused and neglected from his parents. It was someone that was close to my wife's family. And we had to step in on a moment's notice. And with, you know, one day I wasn't a dad, the next day I was. Basically, my wife called me. She said, we need to take him in. I said, let's do it. And it was initially just to, so his parents could get clean. But once we saw that what was really going on, we knew there was no way that we were going to let him go back. And at that point, we, we got a little bit, since we voluntarily took him in, we couldn't get any support from the state. And like I said, I was recovering from a crash business and just barely starting a new role. So I had to really get creative with bringing income in so that we could fight, not only take care of him, but we got into three lawsuits that lasted over five years. And the financial toll of those lawsuits was close to six figures. And coming into that- like Matt McElroy. <laughs> Racking up, yeah. racking up the legal bills. <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, attorney's fees are no joke. They can go crazy. Yeah, I, it, it was everything came together the way that it needed to. It really pushed me to um, succeed in business. We all we had people helping us out. The money came together, and that's kind of shaped a lot of my beliefs around money too. Is that you know what when you need the, the right tools, they will come in if you're willing to accept them. But yeah, that was an amazing experience. And once he was stabilized and once the lawsuits died down, because we had multiple things going on, I needed, I felt such joy from helping. He kind of really taught me about helping others and how good that feels. But here's another connection to success and finance is when you read a lot of books about people who are highly successful in money is they give a lot. And I, 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 one of my keys to success is to model what other people do. It was fascinating because I was reading so much, so many books on uh, finance and you hear about guys like, like Warren Buffett, Ray Dalio, billionaires that that have pledged to give 99% of their wealth away. And a lot of unwealthy people think that billionaires are villainous and that they're so bad. I look at it the other way. And I think part of it is what you see, but I see so many wealthy people who are willing to give. And I thought I would test that out. And so once my boy was stabilized and I had money coming in and I kept hearing that over and over from financially successful people is that part of being successful on a large scale is giving back. And I'd always dabbled in that. I'd donate or give money here and there, but I was like, what if I started letting that fly a little bit more? And I started to lean into that and the craziest situations would unlock when I would do that. I think part of it is you're not grip in the beginning. We talked about abundance mindset, right? And you can be very wealthy and grip on your money so tight that you're not really wealthy. You have a lot of money, but you're not really wealthy. But when you start giving your hands are open. Okay. When they're, when you're gripping on your hands are closed. So how do you receive more? When your hands are open, you have hands that can receive more. And I would encourage anybody who wants to be financial, financially successful to start leaning into that. Because I think on a psychological level, when you have money to give other people, it, it means you're trusting yourself to get more. And I, I don't think a lot of people realize that. They think, well, I've only got so much. 
I mean, this goes for investing in yourself, but also to giving to other people. The more you can invest in yourself, the more you can give to other people, the more you're telling your subconscious that I have nothing to worry about, that I'm an inter- eternal source. That's a, that mindset is fire right there. I mean, it's so true. And it's not just for the ultra rich. I know we were talking about billionaires and all that stuff. As you guys know, I'm really close to uh, my mentor. He's very successful, but not like a multi-billionaire or anything like that. But one thing I remember, like when I worked for the company I worked for for like seven years is we always had people call in the office that were for nonprofits. Like we'd like to speak to your boss to get get some donations. And it was like nonstop. And he was always willing to give money to a good cause. And I know a lot of other people that have achieved high levels of success, they give it back, they pay it back and they know it's for uh, something that's bigger than themselves. I want to end with one final question. We talked about how you become financially successful, but just on the personal side, like maybe you don't even work. Maybe you're just someone that wants to live a successful for just you and your family. That mindset, where does one acquire that for the people that are just taking care of their families, not working? How do they achieve that level or that feeling of success? What you just said is so important is that we often quantify success with numbers. Success isn't really quantifiable. It's a feeling. Okay. So gratitude happiness, wealth, those are feelings. They're not numbers. And I would say this is available to anybody who wants it is to start tapping into, be more present, be more grateful, start experiencing those feelings. Now, people always talk about gratitude is like, I got something and now I'm grateful for it. Well, then those are for the people who even are grateful, but you don't need something to be grateful for. You can live in a state of gratitude. You can be grateful for things that you don't have. You can be grateful for things that you're working towards. But gratitude on a neuroscientific level is just serotonin dropping into your body. They call it the here and now chemical. When you're present, when you're grateful, when you celebrate other people, when you give, what that does is stimulates serotonin into your body. We're, we're so used to dopamine, which is the reward-seeking chemical, but the serotonin is the here and now drug. I'm grateful for what is in front of me, whether or not I have it. I'm grateful for just being alive. Every morning I wake up, I'm grateful for the air in my lungs and the opportunity to go do something great. So if you ask me what anybody can tap into more, I would say gratitude and service. You can also add a community to that and connection right? Probably the wealthiest people that I know, the happiest, most abundant people were this Indian tribe that I visited down in the Amazon. We have so much money up here and so much opportunity, but the people that were just, they were just happy for their next meal and they were disconnected from the internet. They, They were so incredibly fulfilled and happy and to me, that is success. Now, I love having money. I love having things, but I'm not attached to them. True success to me is the things that you can't really quantify. And that's giving, love, abundance, solid relationships, health, contribution. So I, I, I would think you guys would agree most of us can tap into at least several of those items. 100%. Love it. Listeners, that last two minutes... Play that over and over again every single day and you're going to be all right. (laughs) Simon, thank you so much for joining us today, man. You've been amazing. Where can people find out more about what you're doing and 
tap into that wisdom. Yeah, I would love for you to connect with me on LinkedIn, Simon W. Parsons One on LinkedIn. You probably find me through Lee's profile. I mean, I should be showing up well in the searches, but I also just uh, kicked off a YouTube channel. And this is not about me trying to charge people. This is about me teaching people mindset tools, tips, and tricks, very condensed tricks. So the new channel is called Mindset Hackers. And the intent behind that is to to serve people on the highest level and teach them some of the tools, tricks, and tips that I use to level up both personally and professionally. You're using some meditation too, right? Absolutely. That's the not so secret sauce, but I'll teach about meditation, visualization, productivity, wealth, abundance, so many topics, relationships, sales, influence, emotions, chemical states, neuroscience. All this stuff is, everything I teach is backed by science and it's relatable to success both personally and professionally. Well, Simon, it's been an honor to have you on. You've been listening to the Fruit Tyree Show. So long for now. offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA at www.finra.org, SIPC, www.sipc.org, a separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed for the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is a investment advisor representative with Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The Free Retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson, Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Securities America Advisors or Securities America Incorporated. Securities America Advisors, Securities America Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. The content heard in this podcast is not intended to be tax, investment, or legal advice and is intended as general guidance only. You should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information. Third-party source information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of LinkedIn Incorporated or Microsoft Corporation. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.